Welcome to the Wake Up and Live show. I am your host, mindologist Chantal Simone, and it is such a pleasure to have you here viewing today. Today we are about to get real, we're about to get raw, and we're really going to be able to have some transparent conversations about a couple of the movements that's happening in our times. It's, if it's the first time that you're watching us, welcome. We stand here at the Wake Up and Live show for purpose, my mastery, and truth. So expect to be shifted. Expect the unexpected. Expect to hear that thing that you need to hear right now to be able to elevate you and your thinking to a new level. We have brought, we have many special guests we brought to you over the season. And if you're just joining us, this is season three of the Wake Up and Live show. And we are deep diving into the power of perspective. So we had various guests join us over the past few episodes to be able to unpack their thoughts on what's happening in current affairs. And today is no different. So to help me introduce the topic and for our co-host for this season of the Wake Up and Live show, help me welcome Mr. Lester Bailey to the show. Hello, everyone. How are you? This is another grand day. You know, when you're looking at the power of perspective and having the conversation about it, each one of us are learning from each and every one of us about perspective. And we have such special guests because it's always nice to see someone's view. So get ready to be, you know, to see yourself in some of these people. See if you agree, if you don't. If you love what you hear, just put a one. But if you, you know, you're not quite sure, just put a two in there. But either which way, you're going to enjoy yourself because I'm going to be here living my life on purpose. So I want you to join me and Chantel as we go forward with learning about the power of perspective. Absolutely. And you know what? I am so excited about this. Um, we've been hearing such great comments and feedback from people in terms of topics and in terms of you know perspective. So today is no different. We're going to ask you to do the same as we unpack today's very special topic, which is all about the realism of the Black Lives Matter movement. So we're really gonna deep dive and we're gonna double click into this current affair today. Of course, we'll touch upon COVID, maybe even we'll get to businesses, but we're really going to start to talk about this movement because there's so much to unpack about this. And it really is part of the genesis of starting this season about the power of perspective because a lot of people have a lot to say and there's always more. So today we have two very special guests that are joining us both from Toronto, Canada, and they're going to be able to share their perspective on what they've been doing out in the community, what their perspective is on the topic, and some key things to just get real and just get completely transparent of what the main issue is. So help me welcome our very special guest, now this next young lady, she has, I've known her for a while and she just always has a beautiful, powerful outlook on life. She is a fighter for what is right and adds so much value to anything that she does. So please help me wel welcome Miss Fatney McKenzie to the show. Good evening, Chantel and Lester, how are you? Thank you for having me on. Fantastic, thank you for joining us. This is going to be so amazing. I'm glad to have you here. Wonderful. Absolutely. It is going to be fun. It's going to be fun, Fatney. So I'm glad that you're joining us. 
And um, and in the meantime, I'm going to actually bring on our next guest, who's also waiting backstage. And she, I've, I've, I got introduced to her because of a video that she did. And it really just, um, I'm always a big supporter of people, especially those in Toronto who are doing great things and have a stance. And we invited her on the show to share her stance on today's topic. So please help me welcome Miss Alicia Cinnamon to the show. Hello, Alicia. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. All right, all right. Are you ready? I am. <laughs> okay, ladies. Now, to give the audience a perspective of who you are, can you? We'll start with Fatney. Can you share three key things about yourself? Sure. I worked uh, for 15 years as an activist with women. Um, I'm all about love. I'm all about giving back to community. I'm all about helping people, no matter who, where, what. And just, you know, my work was all about helping women who were going through traumatic relationships to get out of those relationships and then how to move forward in life and create and make a better life for themselves, no matter where they were starting from. So that's my key component there, which we worked for 15 years doing that. And then um, I'm currently looking after my father, my family. I'm really focused on family right now and uh, working from home as well. It's really great because while looking after my dad, he unfortunately he got a little bit of dementia. And so that, you know, over time in your 80s, that can happen. And so he needed to be taken care of. So I'm doing that as well as uh, building my business in real estate and residual income through technologies. So that's what I do now. Nice. I love it. I love it. Well, I look forward to hearing more about some of the activism work that you've done and uh, to hear you deep dive in your perspective. So Alicia, can you share three key things about yourself as well to give the audience a perspective of who you are? Um, well, I'm a singer, songwriter, actress, model from Toronto. Um, I like to call myself an artivist, basically it's an uh, activist and artivist. So I use my platform to talk about a lot of social injustice. Um, but currently, I just debuted a talk show called Cinnamon Feds, which you can find on YouTube, and it pretty much just kind of revolves around what it's like being a Toronto artist, um, what it's like being black, and particularly what it's like being female. Um, so my kind of claim to fame was in, or fame in 2013, I wrote a song called I Can't Breathe for a young man named Tyson Bailey. Um, he was killed in, in or gunned down in Toronto. And um, when I wrote this song, it was pretty much just to preserve his memory in a positive light. And then in 2014, Eric Garner uh, passed away, or was killed, sorry. And um, the whole I Can't Breathe became like a, more of a, a movement, but it was interesting because of the perspective that I had it was, it was more global than just, um, you know, somebody not being able to breathe. It was more like a mental thing. So um, pretty much from since then, I've just kind of like used that avenue that route to just um incorporate that a lot in my music so most people would know me as somebody who's just pretty outspoken to talk about a lot of uh, social issues okay all right well awesome and great to hear so it looks like we have two very outspoken ladies today so we're, we're gearing up <laughs> i love it so let's start off, let's let's get right into it. Now today's topic is really about the realism of the Black Lives Matter movement. Let's get your perspectives first. So let's start with you, Alicia. What is it, what's your perspective with the Black Lives Matter movement in general? 
Um, I think the movement is a great incentive. Um, I think the organization, I think people have a lot of more questions about that. So I feel like sometimes people's personal perspective about the organization versus the concept of what it actually is, and regardless of who's backing it, regardless of who organized it or put it together, it's like there's a real issue that, uh, you know, Black people are being killed at a ridiculous rate um, for virtually nothing. I'm not saying that all the time we're completely innocent, but there's, we don't, we're getting dealt with at a way that other races are being dealt with. So um, my perspective is mostly that while I believe, um, while I believe that Black lives should matter to everybody, I feel like there's a lot of confusion as to why we're protesting so loudly that it should matter. Like, I think a lot of people think like, well, that's just common sense, all lives should matter, but it's because they haven't really been educated on why we're even in the situation that we're in in the first place. So I think a lot of that has to do with the educational school system, particularly in Canada. A lot of people don't even know slavery happened in Canada. A lot of people have no idea, you know, that Black Canadians face a lot of the similarities that Black Americans face. And so I feel like right now, with particularly COVID, however which way you want to call it, everything kind of came all at once. And it's finally waking up, particularly a lot of sleeping Canadians who kind of burst their happy little perfect bubble that we're all happy and smiling over here. I think we're getting a dose of reality. And I think it's very necessary because um, I know I can speak for myself where you know I've spent a lot of time tiptoeing and walking around on eggshells worrying about like offending other people even though they weren't concerned about offending me at all mm -hmm. so i'm really happy what do you want to call it a hashtag whether you want to call it a movie i'm not really well kind of feels like it, a movement i'm just really happy that people are waking up you know what you said a few key things there and uh coming from canada i've traveled a bit and lived in different countries but i was born and raised in toronto and in canada there is a slight facade of you know, we're all just happy and we're in this happy bubble. Um, so when you're talking about getting a dose of realism, a lot of people are hearing things for the first time. And we're like, look, we've been living like this for decades. Exactly. Okay, this is not the first time. <laughs> so I, I get that. Before we get your opinion that day, um, Alicia, let me ask you, what has been, what do you believe has been the most shocking to fellow Canadians about the realism of what actually happens in Black lives? I, th I personally think that Canadians are still kind of in a bubble. Like, to be honest with you, I, I feel like they're still in a bubble. I feel like people are still like, oh, you know, good vibes, good vibrations, you know, really? Yeah. Yes, I agree that we need to look forward. I, I agree that we need to look on the bright side of things. I agree with all of that because I've been trained to look that way. However, at the same time, we got to really open our eyes and see the reality of what's going on outside of our world here in Canada and within our world here, even within Canada, right? But if we can't even see what's going on outside and it's so blatantly obvious, you know, with everything in the world, whole in the whole world, including America, how can we even, you know, look within Canada too? Because we're, we think we're really truly in a bubble here. Like if we can't even acknowledge what's happening in the United States, I have friends who can't even acknowledge what's happening in the United States properly. So how are they doing so blatantly clear? And there's evidence, video evidence, still ignoring it. And so then if you're ignoring it at that level, how can you ignore it here when, you know, like Alicia said, we don't have um, what the police aren't running around with weapons, right? It's still mm -hmm. happening. 
different way. So true. So true. You know what I love it. And I love your, I love your passion about that. So, so what do you ladies think, like just going on the same topic, what do you ladies think that can be done for those who are, whether you're in or out of the community, because we have people of all races, you know, it's just, I feel like it's, it's less about whether you're in or out of the black community, more about whether you're, you know, woke to the actual causes, because we see a lot of multi multicultural people fighting for rights and saying, you know what, I may not understand, but that's just not right. I, that's just not right. I don't go through it, maybe, but that's still not right. So what do you ladies think can be done to pop that Canadian bubble or to pop that bubble for wherever you are in the world, whoever's watching? I think it's just gonna, um, we need more of this. Like it's, it's like a spiritual awakening that's happening for a lot of people where it's, you know, I, I remember being in high school and, and Canadian Idol came about and we were discussing like, why has there never been a black Canadian Idol? Like even America has had, you know, a, a, a fat person, a gay person, a black person, a white person. And here we are in Canada and everybody is the same prototype that comes out from something like that. So, and I remember when I was um, interviewed on, I went to audition and I was interviewed about it and they asked me like, you know, when I, when I did my audition, they basically told me I was too soulful. I was like, what does that mean? Like as a singer, you know, you would want soul. So in other words, the interpretation I took it as I'm too black. And um, they said, you know, they want somebody who's a little bit more, can do a little more. And I'm like, and I didn't know what that meant until I watched who they were picking every single time. Right. And none of them ever looked like me. And when they had asked me my opinion, they interviewed me and said, you know, um, how do you feel about, you know, your audition or whatever? And I said that, you know, I don't feel like Canada's ready for a Canadian idol that looks like me. And I don't feel like Canada's even ready for um, urban music. Like they just wanted that Avril Lavigne kind of, prim and mm. proper alternative music or country rock star like speaking from a musician's perspective right now with like drake and the weekend and stuff like that we're finally musicians of color are finally even getting recognition with our music before if you weren't like bare naked ladies or you know what i mean like some kind of rock band nobody in toronto was really getting that kind of like recognition so i feel with amongst my artist friends, like I know I've seen like a lot of um, shows that are coming out where, you know, like Cardinal Official is talking about these things and, um, you know, Jesse Reyes and Deborah Cox. And I feel like as much as we put pressure on our American celebrities or our American artists to use their platform, we also need to do that as well as Canadian artists, but we're kind of afraid to step on toes. And I'm glad mm. to see a lot of us are stepping on toes right now. Hmm. That's great. That's really great. Well, you know what, then there's a lot of conversation around the Black Lives Matter movement. There's a lot of conversation around, you know, they think it's it's like a fad, a fad. And eventually, and to be honest, even, you know, in terms of visibility, it's starting to slowly go die down now. You know, there's not as many protesters on the street. You know, it's been a month or over this over a month now. Um, so what do you ladies, how do you perceive that? And and both of you being activists and just fighting for human rights more so, you know, and going against injustice is what I pick up from both of you. How do you guys, how do you see it progressing in the next month or two months? And what would you want to do about it? Okay, so for me personally, I think, um, honestly, white people need to just step up a little bit and speak up. <laughs> Okay, like straight up, just speak up, say something. 
at least say, you know, we support you. We're not expected to lead the movement because the movement needs to be led by black people. I believe in that because that's your movement. However, you need support, you need backing, you need people to stand behind you and say, yeah, we agree. And the more of us can do that, the more united we can be. We need to have a united front of black people leading the movement and all the white people that can step up and say, yeah, we support, we support, we support, we believe in you and we, and we wanna see you, you know, get ahead in this arena where you're constantly being held down for reality and acknowledge it first straight up acknowledge what's happening that's the key if you can't even acknowledge it how are you going to support it and stop being afraid what your friends think okay stop 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 that just stop being afraid what your friends think i don't care what my other friends think whoever the family members are i've got people in my family that are like oh lives matter okay whatever i don't care because i'm going to step up and say i believe this and this is why. Maybe if you can listen to me, you can hear why, right? And then maybe I can help change a perspective. Maybe I can assist by just at least speaking out and helping to, um, but through you know speaking, just allow the other people in within my community who maybe don't believe or think that it's a, you know a hype and all of this to actually see the reality by sharing things, by giving information, by adding information, and by that's what I think people need to do who are non-color too, and we need to support you. Without that support, it's like you're—it's like half the population trying to run a race on their own. You know, you can't. You, we're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. We're part of the problem, so we have to be part of the solution. You know, you, you say that, and it's so amazing because, again, most people think that there's only two races out here in the world. There is black and there is white. And you're coming from which race? I'm Iranian. And, <laughs> I'm from Iran. From, from I'm Iran. Iran. Somewhat <laughs> white. I'm browner than white, but I'm not white. I'm not white and I'm not black. So all, all of us who are not experiencing this at the same level that you are need to speak up. That, that's amazing. You know, so many people sit back in silence and about all of these different treatments. How do you see the what do you think about the people who sit in silence versus actually giving a voice, Alicia? Um, <clears throat> I mean, everybody has a different role to play. So it's just like myself, like I'm very outspoken. But then I and I have like other female artists that are around me like, man, I wish I was more outspoken. But I was like, you know, everything in life requires balance. So I feel like if you are going to be a silent ally, you do need silent allies. And um, I feel like if you're going to be a silent ally, be an investor. You know, if you're not a person who can, like, you know, use your voice or something like that, like, invest in a charity, invest in an organization, maybe mentor some kids, um, help those organizations that, you know, require, if, you have, if you're a resourceful person, like, there's a lot of, like, um, venues for example well not right now during covid but there's a lot of venues that could be utilized for like town meetups and things like that so it's like we need different people different parties it's not just like the vigilantes or the rebels that are going down there and burning down buildings and stuff like that like we need the doctors we need the lawyers we need more like i don't know like i feel it's interesting as an artist like i feel like we became the politicians like everybody's relying on us to speak up and it's like what happened to the people who 
you know, went to school for this. Like, this is what they signed up to do, and they're kind of quiet on that. So I feel like if you're going to be a silent ally, you can still be silent while doing something in the background. And that's kind of like where I'm at. Like, like I said, like I've been singing and, and, and screaming, I can't breathe from since 2013. So it's something that Jay-Z said that a lot of people, it kind of went a lot over a lot of people's heads as a, as a disrespect when he said we're past kneeling. And I kind of agree with him at this point. It's like, I'm not asking you for my life to matter. I'm telling you, like, we need to stop mm. asking for things. I find as black people, we're constantly begging for acceptance. We're constantly begging to fit in spaces that don't want us in those spaces. And it's something like even um, in terms of like when we, you know, a lot of people get mad at me when I talk about before we can discuss, you know, um, black lives mattering to white people or police officers or whatever, it has to matter to us first. It's like being a female and screaming respect, like respect me, respect me, but you're running around with, you know, your titties and your booty all out or whatever. And then you're like, why don't you respect me? It's not that you don't deserve the respect because you should, you're a human being, but you got to respect yourself before others can respect you. So I, I'm totally aware of the fact that we're, you know, in systematic racism and and all that stuff. But I feel like if you're educated enough to even use that phrase, then you're smart enough to do better. So that's where I'm at right now, where it's like, um, black lives need to matter. Like if you have to show people like within our community that we value ourselves and that when something happens to one of our own, like there's gonna be repercussions and ramifications about it. It's not gonna be like, oh, that's just Keisha or that's just Tommy or whatever. Like, I feel like that's where we're at right now. That is a that is a wonderful perspective. Go ahead, Chantel. Now, I was just going to come in just to say hello to some of the audience members that we have watching. Um, you know, there's a lot of people when they chimed in when we first started, they start to comment. So I just want to shout out uh, Tamisha. Welcome, Jada. Hey, KB from India. Uh, we have. Edward Douglas, welcome. Sankofa, who's a huge community activist in the Black community. Welcome, Donald. Hey, L. Um, we have a comment here from KB. He says, I am eagerly watching to compare and contrast the things that are happening here in India. As you know, our country is very is a very vast is very vast in terms of population, diverse cultures, community, case, color, creed, etc. So difficult to maintain equality throughout, though there is a lot of laws on it. So of course, out here it happens more communal riots, but I don't see any disputes in terms of color. So the interesting thing about that comment um, is that. You know, a lot of people initially, when the movement started, everybody thought it was an open invitation for all things racism, or all things sexist, or all things injustice. You know, people say, well, what about the gays? What about this? What about that? And I don't mean that in an derogatory way. Um, I'm just saying what people said. And I, had, I took a stand, I'm like, look, this is not an open invitation. This is a very specific conversation even even beyond the, the black community, it's black. It was black men getting killed by by white cops. That's how it really started, and that opened up a conversation for racism. And so, watching from India, KB, um, we honor you, and it's great to have you here. And um, the main thing is, is that there's there is 
segregation, there is challenges, of, there is discrimination in many different forms. Um, this is just one that's kind of top of mind because it's been suppressed for so long. So that's when the Me Too movement came out and that was a bit of a fad. Um, and I wanna ask everybody who's watching, if you agree, do you believe that the Black Lives Matter movement is has become a fad? Has it become a fad? If you agree, plus press one, type one, we'd love to see your comments. If you say, yes, it's become a fad, people just jump on the bandwagon and they start looting and they start doing all kinds of craziness just because they want to be part of something. Or do you say, no, most people take it seriously and want change. So I'm so curious to see what everybody thinks. So if you're watching, whether it's on the podcast or the replay, definitely type one if you think it's a fad, and two if you don't. So I'm going to ask the two of you ladies, what are your opinions? So Fat Nate, do you think it's a fad? No, I think that there's always going to be some people that jump on any bandwagon, anything, right? There's always going to be those people that never spoke and now speak or never said anything. And, you know, but I, th I think also if you never spoke up before and now you're speaking, that's not such a bad thing, right? Um, as long as you maintain that and, and you continue to support that and it's not just a momentary thing and then it's forgotten tomorrow it's you know just continue where you started right if you're just opening your eyes to this fact now then i don't see that as a fad i don't see that it's a bad thing i see that as people starting to really see what's really going on and and moving and getting involved with a movement that they may not have been involved with before or may not have even really noticed because it wasn't brought to their attention and not everyone has the same experience so, you know, because everybody doesn't have the same experience, this is gonna to bring to light another human being's experience, right? That they can now look at. And so if you're jumping on that bandwagon, I say jump on, it's time. Now is the time to see other people's experience and really look at it from their perspective and, you know, jump on that bandwagon. But I, I just don't think that it should die down. I think we need to continue this conversation. Um, as long as possible and maintain the movement and really, you know, have legislative change, have actual change that comes of it. Um, and that's only going to happen if we continue to push. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, no, I don't see it as a fad. I, I, I look at it in a positive way that people who maybe didn't know before are now opening their eyes. Good. Yeah, awareness. Awareness. Yeah. I did. What do you um, I see it differently because when I started off my career and I was speaking about, you know, issues and, you know, the injustice of being a darker skinned female and, um, you know, getting played up against the lighter skinned females or the ambiguous females in the music industry. And I was labeled as a racist. Um, most of these rappers from like Oshawa and stuff, like, you know, they're like, oh, when I'm explaining to them, like, cultural appropriation, it's, oh, you're racist. And it's like, no, you know absolutely nothing about the culture but you're capitalizing off the culture. And if you're gonna capitalize something, at least educate yourself. And a lot of them felt like they owned the music. Like it was so hard for people to say hip hop is black music. Like it's it's not a question, it's not a doubt. It belongs to us, it's ours, just your visitors, your guests appreciate it. So when I came in and I was like, you know, told make me more music for white people and, you know, simmer yourself down for white people and nobody's going to want to work with you because you're scary and all this other stuff. And I stuck to who it was that I was. And now, like, you know, even up until like 
three weeks ago, I had to call out like a major Canadian promoter, no names, but it's like they came on my page and I was saying, you know, I'm past the whole um, protesting, you know, and, and the stuff that people are on right now. I'm glad that people are waking up, but I'm like, I'm 10 years ahead of past that. Like when I was screaming that stuff, you guys were calling me racist. Right now, I want to focus on the issues that are affecting us within ourselves. Like we need to learn how to police and govern ourselves. We need a black special constable. We need a black Panther party, whatever it is. We need a medium between ourselves and the police department. Like every other group seems to have, except for us, because we're so busy looking for acceptance from everyone else. So now those same people, you know, all of a sudden there are these super black activists and they're Martin Luther Kings and Malcolm X's overnight. And because I am not, in the same emotional state that they're at it's like they want to come at me like oh you're not on you know you're not a part of the movement and it's like you know when when it, when the news stops filming and when the hashtags die down and when the shirts stop being sold and stuff like that are you are black lives still going to matter to you so my hashtag is that black lives black lives been mattering like this isn't new this is something that's all it's always been a part of me and when those people that are out for photo opportunities and taking cool things to post on Instagram when that fades away, I'm still going to be black and I'm still going to have to deal with this reality. And it's something that even just with COVID, when the Asians in Toronto were getting spit on and dealt with really roughly, and I did an interview with a, uh, one of my Korean photographers, and I said to her, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, why are you interviewing an Asian woman? Good for them. You know, it's time for them to feel what we felt. And I said, no, I want to have this conversation with other minorities because eventually they're going to go back to being the favorite minorities and we're still going to be black and when that dies down we need those allies so i told you know i was telling her i'm like basically this is your first time experiencing what it's like to be black i hope you never forget it and i hope when you hear us crying that you remember what it was like to be spit on for a month or two when we've been doing this our entire life so i think the fad, it, I'm glad it's, maybe it's the wrong word, like I'm glad people are waking up if it's genuine, but I feel like a lot of people are capitalizing, making cool shirts, masks, hats, and all this stuff, and they're profiting off of it, but they don't really live and breathe it, and it doesn't genuinely affect them on a day-to-day basis. Wow. No. Mm. That, that, that is wild. You know, you have such a, a lot to say and it's an entering perspective because I'm as an American looking on the inside out this time. You know, you're, you're right. schooling me in a certain type of way because I've never had this opportunity. Right. So as we switch this conversation over and we love it, you know, how do you still see your lives today during this new normal, during this time of the COVID and uh, coronavirus time? What are you starting to see life and how is it changing for you, Fat? Um, well, honestly, for me, because I left my work a while ago um, with the, work that, the activism that I was doing, and I've been looking after my father for a while, the main thing that's changed is going on Zoom to do my calls for my work, right? That's really the main thing that's changed. Um, but I wasn't really traveling for work before other than, um, I mean, I was traveling, I was driving my car, but it wasn't an absolute necessity, right? Um, I didn't have a brick and mortar job to go to. I chose to travel. I chose to go meet people. I chose to do that. So that was the really the only thing that really changed for me was being able to get in my car and go actually meet people in person in order to conduct business. So, uh, and that's a big deal. 
However, at the same time, it's not as much of an impact on me as the kids or as people who have lost their jobs. So for me to really speak to that is, I personally just feel like it hasn't impacted me the same way um, that it has impacted so many people who've lost jobs, lost livelihoods, lost their businesses. You know, you look around and you see a brick, you know, the brick is open, the Home Depot is open, the Tim Hortons is open, but the mom and pop shops all had to close down. I don't understand that. I feel like, why did those little stores have to shut down and they couldn't stay open? And all these big, big um, companies were able to keep their doors open and keep having their livelihood when the little guy here, you know, had to close up shop. So I'm looking more from an outside in perspective as to what's happening to other people right and i feel for the kids at school because they need that socialization and they're not getting it you know homeschooling for some people is really hard because they're busy working all day and now they gotta school their kids you know especially the teenagers who are going to go to college next year i really feel for those kids like i just uh, you know for me personally not a huge impact but i can see how it's impacting others Mm -hmm. Yeah, very fair. And how about yourself? For me, um, like I'm a very spiritual person, so I always looked at, like when COVID happened, similar to um, yourself, like it, I, I'm, you know, like a, I'm a very so I was already doing my own thing. Um, the main thing that affected me is obviously venues were closed and I can't, I couldn't travel the way that I need to travel, but then it allowed me to tap into a different side of myself. Like that's when my talk show came about and I started doing a lot of like um, interactive Instagram lives with other artists. Um, and we started doing that. It was like, we, we started doing our own verses before verses actually became a verses. So it's like, Hey, you know, let's, we never get this opportunity to just shoot the breeze. And it would be kind of cool if, you know, people see us getting along together. And then it's also for our mental health. We needed those conversations to have with people and just kind of keep with sanity. So mm -hmm. I started doing that, um, which is what led into the talk show. Cause then people were like, Hey, you should do a talk show. This is pretty interesting. And I was actually, you know, people were pledging to the talk show and, so for me, I was able to find ways to make more of an income during COVID. It's, I kind of, I guess in a little bit feel guilty because there are people that lost their jobs and I was able to find ways to make money through the situation. And it was, you know, just having that time to sit back. Like I'm a person who's always doing 10 million things at once. And I finally had a time to sit back and be like, I want to do this. Like, I've never been able to do that. And I've kind of not been able to do this because I was mostly focused on the music side or performances. But, you know, I can you know, I have my own shirt line and my own mask and stuff like that. So it was just little things that I was able to tap into because I had more time and reading, interacting with people, meeting family, like getting back together with family. So me, um, I really enjoyed this period. And I kind of didn't even want outside to open back up again, if that <laughs> Like, I was cool. And I, I felt like some people needed this time to just stay inside their house and, you know, clean their energy, like, realign themselves. It's like, you know, you don't need to be outside right now. Like, you need to fix your heart and your soul and, you know, get rid of certain demons and stuff like that. So um, I found that I was able to see people clear, better, clearer. Some people that I thought were like incredible, I realized like, wow, this is really who you are. 
And then there was other people that I, you know, never really paid any mind to that I was able to really zoom in on. It's like, you're, you're a credit, incredible person. So um, it's unfortunate that there are people that passed away. I have a kind of deeper take on the numbers in terms of COVID and Corona and all that stuff. I'm not really, my mother's in the medical field, so I look at things a little bit differently. My mom doesn't wear a mask, so I'll just put that out there. Um, so it's one of those where um, it made me learn a lot about people and how easy we are to be controlled. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, well, we talked about, we're talking about realism today. And so, you know, I find that a lot of people, especially different talk show hosts or different, you know, conversations or Zooms or conferences and whatnot, we're, we're kind of all talking about very similar things of, you know, what's the impact and what are we doing? What do you both think? Because I, I know both of you are, are great thinkers and kind of out of the box thinkers. So what do you guys think is really happening behind this movement? Like, let's, let's you know, take our gloves off. Let's put all the, you know, politically correct stuff aside. <laughs> really going on. <laughs> I saw yeah. both of your well, so fat name, you start. What, what do you right. think is what I really, really want to know what I really think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What I really think is that we got some real corrupt people at the very, very, very top who are crashing markets or we're getting the division and we're widening that division between the wealthy, the very, very wealthy and, and poverty. And we've got a lot of middle class people who are being taken out of their businesses and that type of thing. Um, there's stuff going on with real estate. There's stuff going on with the stock market, you know, and then there's this vaccine that is run by a computer guy. I mean, really, you don't have a PhD in anything other than what you've done over the years in computer science and, and your and your work there. And now all of a sudden you are the head of the WHO somehow. I don't understand the World Health Organization and Bill Gates in cahoots to build a vaccination. I just think it's all about money and controlling human beings and grabbing and really like we're getting to a tipping point in numbers. The human race is growing in numbers. We're outnumbering, okay? So now they got to find ways to control us because not only are we outnumbering, we're starting to wake up in different ways, right? Yeah. And because we're starting to wake up and we're outnumbering, we're getting to a large number and then there's a tipping point where we're going to be woke and all of a sudden, how are they going to control us? So this is like a lid that they're putting on the pot that's that's about to blow up. Like imagine a, a pot of popcorn and it's going and people are waking up and getting out of the box and they're trying to stuff a lid on it and say, no, you need to stay down. How are we gonna make it? We're gonna, you know, we're gonna kill off half the population. I mean, really, think about the old age homes. They got taken out first. So many people in the old age homes have passed away and you know how much governments are saving right there, but yet they can, donate thousands and, and thousands of dollars towards, you know, vaccinations and, and wars in different countries where, you know, they can grab oil and different things. So really my perspective on it is, is it's all power and money and control of the population. And I don't, I don't wear a mask either. I mean, I'm just being straight up here. I will wear a mask out of respect for others. Exactly. Yes. Like I'll put yes. it on because others fear. And I don't want to be that person that, you know, um, makes somebody else frightened or nervous to be around. I'll wear it for somebody else. But in my head. It's like, come on. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, if you're gonna wear a mask or a hazmat mask, that might work, but the little flimsy blue mask that everybody's wearing, I don't even, I don't even know what that does. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, I love it. We had a gentleman come on and there was this whole thing about the mask. A mask was really like, um, you know, the white like Chain link fence. That's what he said. He said, wearing a mask and like a chain link fence. It's going through, right through it. I mean, again, and that's similar to what I was saying. It's like, if you can find a way to make yourself essential or resourceful or capitalized during this time, because that's essentially what they're doing. They're shutting down the little man and you know basically go work with one of the bigger corporations for me it was like you know i understood i mean depending on the mask it's like okay if you sneeze it it stops the droplet so it doesn't flow as far whatever whatever so there's somewhat like maybe of a of a benefit to it but i was looking at it like well if they're going to make us make wear masks i'm going to make masks i'm going to produce masks so that's how yeah. i looked at it you know like hey if it's mandatory um so and why not make it fashionable like and that's where and i found <laughs> i found it interesting because before this i don't know if you guys pay attention to cardi b but she, there was a point in time when she was wearing these weird face masks and people like afterwards they said that it was pretty much she got plastic surgery so she was trying to heal under the mask but when i seen it i said this is going to be the next fashion trend there's a reason like she was in Paris Fashion Week or something and I said this is like a, a like Hollywood is always a few steps ahead of us so they'll put it in plain sight as they call it so when I seen it I'm like this is we're gonna start looking like this because the, her yeah. mask was like all blinged out it wasn't like oh just you know regular gauze so I was like why is it all blinged out so flash forward now and I'm seeing all these dope looking masks and I'm thinking like you know I can, this is kind of cool like it was it was funny because I was in the LCBO and he, when he ID'd me, I was no longer offended because I knew that you're asking because you have no idea what my face looks like. Whereas mm -hmm. before, it was like, I know I'm an adult. How dare you ask me for my, my ID? So I found it so interesting, like, the stuff, like, everything that everything that was illegal became legal during COVID, whether it was weed, whether it was them extending the LCBO hours, um, okay. you know, whether it was... Um, now we're allowed to be, you know, before, if you walked into a store with a mask on, like they'd call the police on you. Now yeah. you're not even allowed in the stores without a mask on your face. So, right. <laughs> it's, it's funny. And, but it's also this, it, it's also, I feel like the bigger agenda is, I felt, I feel like the bigger agenda behind COVID was racism. That's my personal take on it. Mm. I feel like when I look at, it's population control, but to a certain demographics of people. And when I look at like places that they opened up first, like, you know, Atlanta, which is predominantly a black city. Yeah. And it was like, they were experimenting. And then I kind of feel like when they realized the numbers, like Atlanta was like, hey, we're still turning up and nobody's getting sick. All of a sudden, every other week, some black man was found hung from a tree or, you know, there was this, racial war that came about so my take was that there was people that they were trying to get and the virus wasn't doing the numbers enough so then <laughs> <laughs> this came about and was like all right you know what corona's not killing them so let's start you know yeah. the next or whatever it is like i feel it's bigger 
than just that. And even, you know, the situation with George Floyd, where it's bigger than just one person, because I feel like that situation got magnified because they didn't realize that his friend was a former NBA player who had resources to Sean King and all these celebrities, where it's like, if that was just another person, I don't feel like it would have reached where it meant to go or mm. where it was, or how big it got. They didn't realize like, wow, he's connected to so many people. So mm. I think um, now, like she said, um, you, it, it, it's the fact that we have social media where before a lot of things were happening and it, I don't think anything is new that's happening, but we're videotaping it and we have the access to see what's okay. going on. It's like, whoa, when you see something like, you know, people die every day. But when you see it in your face, it's totally different. Like we hear about, you know, racism. But when you see somebody saying, I'm going to call the police on you because you're, and I'm going to tell them you're African-American. And that lady was Canadian, by the way, Amy Cooper or whatever. She was Canadian. <laughs> they, you know, like, so to me, I was glad that they, I found it funny when they made sure they specified, she's not one of us, she's Canadian. <laughs> because it was an eye opener for a lot of people like oh my god that happens in Canada so yeah, exactly. I think when I look at the numbers like because I'm, I'm, I'm a big person on facts and research I try not to argue with opinion so when I look at the amount of people that died from corona it's only 300,000 people 1% of the world's population is 75 million so that means less than 1% of the world has died from this when I look at how many people have died from car accidents this year, 13 million people. So I feel like we're focusing on the wrong thing. There's more people that die from like an anaphylactic peanut reaction or even being allergic to water or strawberries. Like there's mm -hmm. other things that people are dying from at a bigger rate than this. So why are we focusing on even trying to get a vaccination for something that you can just quarantine yourself for 14 days from and be fine for the average person? So yeah. it's, it's a cash wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. like, I run through this forever. Like it's just, I feel like you have to figure out where you fit in in this. I think you're either gonna get left behind or you're gonna capitalize on the movement. But I think it's bigger than just this virus. Amen to that. Totally. Well, you both really, really, um, and I hope that everybody that's watching right now really takes heed because there's some people that genuinely just. You know, I'm from, my parents are from Trinidad, so of a West Indian culture. So we say we lap it up or we, we take it in. So there's so many people that are just taking in what the government's pushing, you know? And so what both of these wonderful ladies have shared today that guys, there's a bigger picture and it's about population control, it's about money, it's about power. It could be about specifically targeting a race. The main thing is it's, there's more beyond what it's feeding your eyes from watching CNN or from news clips and whatnot. So if you're watching, you know, it would be a, a phenomenal impact if you can just take a moment to just double think, well, where's this really coming from? Especially when this vaccination comes. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but that vaccination is not gonna come near me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Nor, I don't need it. it, it look, we can go on and on. That's a whole nother conversation, a whole nother show. <laughs> but, uh, I I, I, Okay, I'm, I'm with you because it, it, to me it's just you know it's a subset of flu. So how I look at the flu versus how I look at this, you know, I'm not about to change. I I know you all may not agree with me, but that's just one of the things that for me, my perspective of flu shots and something that 
how about they're going to make something up? Because if there's no vaccines, vaccines yet, what are they waiting for? Exactly. It's been six months into into this year already. We're in the seventh month, and they've gotten as close to coming up with the cure for it now as they have come up for how to become a billionaire overnight. We right. know that it can happen, but how many people will find the way? Fast right. enough. You, you, you look like you've been holding something back. What was that next thought that was on your mind before we begin to close? Well, I just, I, I want to just say that I'm not saying people shouldn't wear a mask because I don't want to be that person that, you know, somebody says I'm <laughs> condoning not wearing masks. Everybody has to choose for themselves, right? I do right. believe there is something out there. There is a virus. It, I just believe it's a pandemic. So right. I'm not saying there's no virus. And it could morph and it could change and the patent can change. There's a patent, right? So it's well, we have a new virus now. There's another one that came out. That's the, the new one that's the new version of the swine flu that came about. So it's like, you know, right, every other week yep. there's something brand new that's coming about. And I just kind of feel like, you know, two weeks ago I had the stomach flu. And when I had the stomach flu, I wasn't running around the city. I wasn't feeling like on top of the world. Like I stayed inside, you know, I threw up, I sweat and then I got better. So I'm just trying to find like, if these people are sick, like how could this virus be so deadly that these people are just traveling around the world and have no idea that they're ill. Like the minute I have a cold or anything, like I can feel when your body yeah. Right. And I'll stay in my house. Like when you have the flu, you don't feel like gallivanting all over the place. And so I just kind of find it interesting. It's like these people seem to have superpowers after they catch the deadly virus, as opposed to why are they not like naturally quarantining themselves or doing whatever to make themselves feel better? So I feel like the whole it's asymptomatic or whatever, possibly, but I kind of feel that's a little bit of a reach. Like if it's you're that asymptomatic. I'm just really quizzical on how dangerous this virus really could be if you don't even notice it until like you're about hmm. to die. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. It is so true, ladies. And 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 oh go ahead, Fatney. Yeah, and then there's 5G. Add the vaccination and all the heavy metals, and then add to that 5G, and we got a whole other hour to talk about that. I was a big 5G conspiracy theorist. I still am. I still think that a lot of the symptoms, no matter what, like we can't we'd have to be really naive to think that these radiations aren't affecting us in any way, shape, or form. Like I kind of feel like you guys are from, you know, the Toronto areas. I was like, I would, it would be dope if we came back outside and like Eglinton West was finally fixed up that strip. Like, you know, it's like, I feel like there's a reason why they kept us inside. And it, when I came back outside, I noticed all these 5G towers that were there. Yeah, so if exactly. it's so deadly, why were you guys letting your workers go out here and put up all these towers in the middle of a pandemic? Like, why would that be? a top priority when people are dying money 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 <laughs> phantom phantom said it best it's all about the money and i know that that's a great perspective to have because how many of us really look at what the real causes are and what companies are making money versus what companies lost money so it's always interesting to see this and you all have some of the best perspectives that i've seen in a while i i love the purpose that that you're giving you know for this because so many people need to see it but yeah. Shante, your thoughts 
You know what? I'm just I'm just so blessed that you guys came on. This is our second last show, so I'm glad that you you guys snuck in right before we ended it. So it because it's been powerful. Like like Lester said, your perspectives are really powerful. They're just real. You know, they're just real. They're raw, and it's like, hey, you know what, guys? Wake up! This has been going on. There's a bigger picture, and we're getting some obvious love here. So I just want to share. Um, Tanisha said that she loves this, so awesome stuff. We have Jada, who gave some really cute emojis, I love it, who's say, basically saying no pills, <laughs> uh, no vaccine, so you guys can see the emojis, like, no! And uh, she loves that you said they're a fat name, whoa, pandemic. So I've been hearing that, and I thought people were pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, she made sure she clarified pandemic. <laughs> but that's what I mean. It is. It is. That's that's a very. They know. They know what they're doing. Exactly. exactly. Well, ladies, you guys have been awesome. It's been really real. I know a lot of people. By the way, when you guys were talking, a lot of hearts and likes were floating up. So you don't see it on screen, but I'm letting you know. Um, we have Donald who said, I don't believe this is a fact. We are experiencing a tiredness of oppression that has gone too far for too long. People in general are appalled at this type of treatment towards African-American race and is still continuing, especially from the highest levels of our government. So absolutely, you know what then, I totally agree with you, Donald, um, you know, these ladies also agree that it's not necessarily a fad, um, it's just a matter of waking up and, 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 and shaking up, I would say. So uh, what would you, just as we close, what would you guys say, like what's, what are some comments that you can give, whether it be encouragement or ideas, or you're, again, a very powerful perspective, but moving forward, because again, I feel as if it's slowly dying down now, and not much has changed. Like, I think Brianna, the Brianna case, they passed a law about that, um, which was cool. You know, it was a great win. A lot of celebrities, you know, tweeted and said, yay, Jada Pinkett Smith, um, Queen Latifah, they were all involved in that. Um, but I haven't really heard much else. So, and, and yet I don't hear the amount of conversation. So what, in closing, can you ladies share uh, some key things that we can do to move forward and be encouraged and be inspired and make a difference? Uh, let's start with that. So as I said, you know, just speak up if you can. And, and uh, if you have a voice, use it. If you have a platform, use it. And if you see injustice just in your day-to-day -day life, like my kids, I tell them, if you see someone picking on your friend on the bus, say something, say something. You know, even if it's your best friend, say, what are you doing? Just start at home, start it at home, you know, start it with the basics. And if you can build that kind of racism and all the hate in the world is learned at home. That's where it all begins. So the solution to me, if you're home right now, you have all this extra time with your children, you know, and you have all this extra time with your family, this is the time to have those kind of conversations, right? And really um, show your kids how to love so that when they go out in the world, they can stand up for their friends and they can stand up for what's right and they can be little activists all on their own right. So I think it starts at home and that's what one of the solutions. And of course, I always think legislation, push for legislation, push for legislation. If we don't have new laws, new infrastructure, then the systemic racism just, you know, is very powerful. It's extremely powerful, right? So um, start at home, 
I love that. And you know what? You're very big at walking, uh, the walk and talking to talk. I, I even heard and saw some of your posts online and, and see your children taking a stance which is really cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was funny. It was funny. My son is, uh, he's eight and we were at my, uh, my sister-in-law and my brother's house and Yassi had her friends over and um, there, there's only one black girl that came over. Right. And as soon as she walked in and she sat down, my son who's eight went inside, he grabbed the black lives matter poster. He came out and he's like, and I, and I thought, oh my gosh, what are you one black child here and you're singling her out, right? And I'll have a conversation with him and say, you never want to single one person out, but she got it. You know what? Yeah. The girl, her name was Jasmine. Yeah. And she was like, yeah. She was just like, high oh. five. And, and so they had a moment. The two of them had a little yeah. moment where he was like, yeah, yeah, Black Lives Matter with this poster. And she was like, yeah, this is cool, right? So yeah. all those little, those little differences, those little things. It, it, I was really proud of him. And I also told him, you know, you got you to gotta make sure that if there's one person, you know, you don't want to single people. You <laughs> <laughs> feel uncomfortable. So it was a cool moment, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Awesome. So what about yourself, Alicia? What is some of the final words you share with the audience? Um, I think people just need to keep talking, particularly um, black people. Um, if you got white friends or, you know, I mean, everybody at this point, but particularly if you have white friends, check them on their privilege. Like I've been catching myself checking a lot of my white friends that we're so oblivious to their privilege and it kind of hurt their feelings at first. Like if I say white privilege, it's like how a lot of people are saying caring is like the N word. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's not, it's, if that hurts you, if the worst thing you have to worry about is being called caring and that's the like, most painful thing you've ever been through, I think you're going <laughs> to live. So, <laughs> you know, so I think like just checking people and, 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 and not being afraid because I found so much of my, existence being around particularly white people was censoring my or like filtering my thoughts before they came out of my mouth and it's like yeah. why can't i just say what it is that i need to say and and not worry about you being offended while you're offending me so once i kind of let go of those inhibitions i felt a sense of freeness in myself where i don't feel like i need to act you for my life to matter like i know my life matters like whether or not you want to acknowledge it or it's going to matter whether or not you know you care about it it's going to happen so i feel like once we come to that sense of understanding within ourselves we won't necessarily feel the need to yell it out so much now we're going to take action it's like you know I i'm really a big malcolm x fan by any means necessary and it's like especially with the younger generations i don't promote violence but i see a lot of these younger kids they're not taking it like you call somebody the n-word you're getting knocked out immediately and i think like those kind of things like again i'm not promoting violence but sometimes when something happens once it's like if you put your hand on a stove and it burns you're not going to do that again so i'm right. really happy to see and you know and this is a message for my black men in this movement of black lives mattering do not forget your sisters because oftentimes I feel like this movement is specifically catered to black men. And we are always on the front line. We're always picketing and protesting for our brothers. And then when something happens to us, it's not as loud. There's not as much as an uproar. And, you know, even within our communities, when things happen within our communities, we don't have that like 
if I'm walking down the street, I can know that that black man has my back. I don't, we don't really see each other as brother and sister. So I hope that we continue this narrative. We don't have to make a big deal about it in protests and burn down buildings and stuff. That set the pace that put it out there. Now, you know, what's the follow-up action? As Jay-Z said, we're past kneeling. So what are we doing from here on out? So I think that just, you know, um, asserting yourself as black people, it's like, hey, we're here, we asked for this. Now we need to assert ourselves and show people that we are valuable assets to society and not these savages or whatever that they thought we were. Yeah, that's that's so valid, and you know, and, and and having the internal conversation within the black community is very strong, as well as having the external conversation with the local community. So I think that's that's very powerful. Well, ladies, you guys have been such a blessing. I so honor you guys. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your opinions, and just you know, being real with us today. <laughs> it was awesome having you both on the show. This is great. That was awesome. And Alicia, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually connect with you on Facebook. <laughs> Absolutely. I was gonna say the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, we definitely need to stay connected, all of us. I this was thank you for inviting me. Thank um, you. I totally appreciate you reaching out. Thank you so much. And thank you, Lester. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so hang tight, ladies. We're gonna we're, we'll do a quick uh, touch point before we wrap up. Um, so I just wanted to wrap up the show today. We have heard from two ladies who have been activists in different respects, but for a very long time for a cause. And they really were just transparent with us. They really deep dove into to not only what the, the, the topic is, but what we can actually do about it. So I pray today that you take heed. You know, you really listen into some of the conversation. Rewatch it if you need to, because always remember how you do one thing is how you do everything. So how you are approaching this situation is how you're gonna approach every situation that happens in, in your future. So take a global view, really look at the bigger picture and zero in on what you can do to start at home. That has been a very key theme that came through the Wake Up and Live show series. So thank you guys so much for watching and all your participation this season. Tomorrow is our last episode of the season. So we're actually gonna do something very special for you tomorrow. So join us tomorrow at 6.30 Pacific Standard Time, 9.30 Eastern for our very last show of season three of the Wake Up and Live. Always remember you got one life, make it count, and navigate on purpose. We'll see you tomorrow.